All right. We are here with the James Munson. So James, he won every award you could possibly think of, not only in Staten Island, but in New York City as a high school football player. He went on to be a part of the football team at Navy. But we're not going to start the story off there. We're going to go back, James. We're going to start the story off to when you were in seventh grade. Are you ready for this conversation? Yes, I am. All right. So, James, one welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Two, I got to ask you, you started training. You were the youngest guy I've ever trained. You started training with advanced training. I think you might have been in like seventh or eighth grade. What was that experience like? I think it was actually early. I think it was sixth grade. Um, wow. But it was, it was great for me. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, training with the older guys um, was great. Like I got to see how they, how they worked, like what they put in, the effort that they put in, the attention to detail that they put into everything. So it gave me a real good base of, you know, like what I need to do if I want to be successful at the high school level. Cause a lot of those guys that we were training with were great players at the high school level. So I saw early on what I needed to do and the dedication I needed to put in, in order to get to the level that I wanted to get to. Now being the son of a legendary coach, I'm sure you've been around older football players for your entire life. When you walked in the gym with these guys, were you ever intimidated? Like what was going through your head? Um, at, at time or at the advanced training at, at advanced training. Um, no, I wouldn't say I was intimidated. Um, like you said, I had been around Tonville probably since I could walk. Um, so I had always, you know, been hanging out with the older guys growing up in Pee Wee. I'd always played, you know, like in, in older, I'd always played up, um, in the divisions. So I really wasn't intimidated by anybody. Um, no, I was just happy to be there. Now, why do you think it is that your dad signed you up at such a young age to, to train with us? I, I'm not sure, honestly. That may be a question we got to ask him. <laughs> um, but uh, I think he just I think he just wanted to. I don't know. Maybe he just he he didn't want to train me himself, like do everything um, with me himself, and then just give like give me some freedom to to do some things on my own. Um, as well as, you know, train with you and train with some older guys so that I could get that, that exposure. Um, yeah, like I said, that may be a question we got to ask him. Yeah. You know, and you know what, too, I was thinking about it. I'm just reflecting back to when he asked me, I'm like, why is he asking me? This guy's jacked up. He knows what he's doing. I'm watching him in the gym every day. He looks like a freak. And I'm starting to remember the conversation now. Cause he said, you know, sometimes you just need your son to work out with somebody else. I was like, all right, <laughs> let's go. Let's do it. So is there, was there a guy that you trained with you can think about that is a guy that you looked up to in advanced training? Um, probably be, probably Teddy Kohesi or um, Lyle McCombs, one of those two guys. Um, Teddy, you know, I had known Nicky. He was playing at Tottenville at the time. So I had known, you know, I had known his brother. Um, and I had known Teddy was obviously a very good football player over at C. So I'd, I'd, say, I'd say probably Teddy. He was he was real cool, um, you know. He would help me out whenever I needed, you know, push me whenever I needed to. So, I I probably say Teddy. And, and what I think is great is that I would use you to push them. So I just remember like you know the guys that would come after you. You came super early, and I would yell at Billy Blanco. James Munson just got forty two inverted rows. What do you got? And he would just get all mad at me. You know, like what are you talking about? <laughs> so let, let's take a like a, a sidetrack. So we, we talked about advanced training a little bit. Now I want to talk about just you growing up as a football player, your, your dad's a legendary football coach. What's it like? Like, what's it like growing up with a football coach? Are you learning the game from the day you're able to walk? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure when I got home from the hospital and I was in the crib, there was a football placed in it. So, <laughs> um, I, I'd say I was learning the game, you know, from birth. Uh, but yeah, you know, it was, I love football from an, uh, from a very, very early age from, like I said, it's, Far back as I can remember, I love football. So for me, going to, I would go to the practices, Tombo practices as much as I could. Um, I'd go up to camp with them. I'd be in the locker room with them. Uh, you know, I'd be, i travel. Probably starting like 2003, I would travel to all the games with them on the bus. So I was just always around it. I loved being around it. So I was just constantly, constantly learning the game, just trying to soak in as much as I could. Obviously, at a younger age, I didn't understand the 
real X's and O's part, but just being around definitely gave me an advantage over, you know, a lot of people who didn't grow up with that background. Now, when you did play for him, you eventually go and play at the high school that he's the head coach of. He had an insane success there. Does it make it harder or easier you or easier on you as a player? Like if you screw up in practice or have you have a bad day, you guys arguing about it at the dinner table? Um, no, no. That, that we tried as much as possible to to leave whatever happened on the field. On the field, obviously, sometimes it would carry over if it was a real bad day, um, you know, and he was just getting on me a ton. I, I'd obviously my mom would come get me after practice because he would stay. He'd stay a little later. Um, so my mom would come pick me up at the school. She'd just be like, bad day. I'd be like, yeah, like, I don't want to talk to this guy when he gets home, you know, type of thing. But um, for the most part, yeah, it was, it was left, it was left at, at the Ville. Um, like I said, if we, if we came home and we were, you know, try, arguing or talking about it, my mom would be like, oh, cut, cut it. You know, we ain't, we ain't doing this right now. We're not doing this here. So for the most part, it was left there. Um. And it, it was fine, honestly. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it. Like I said, like, was it harder on me a little bit? Uh, I think yes and no in ways. There's, there's ways it was harder and there's ways it wasn't. But I, I enjoyed it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. How high was the expectation of you, like, on the field? Were you not allowed to make a, a mental mistake? I'd say the expectations were, were pretty high. Um, just him being my him being my father, I think the ex- I put high expectations on myself because, you know, you constantly hear, like when my cousin Kenny was playing for him, you, he was a great player at Tottenville. Um, you'd always hear, you know, oh, he only plays because his nephew's the coach. So I just wanted to perform just so that I could prove everybody wrong. Like all, all the doubters are saying, oh, you know, he only gets recognition because his father's a coach or, you know, he's only playing because his father's a coach. Um, so I put real high expectations on myself just so that, like I said, I wouldn't have to hear any of that um, and just prove everybody wrong. But he as well, I'd say he put pretty high expectations on me, just knowing the defense and just making sure, like, everybody's in the right spot and doing all the right things. So Now, you played both wide receiver and defensive back in high school, right? Yes. Was there – did you like one side of the ball better than the other one? Growing up. Um, growing up, I played running back and I, I always liked playing running back. Um, but as I started to get older and I started to play safety, I think I played safety every year from, you know, fifth grade on. Um, I really just took a love into, to defense. So at, at the high school level, yeah, I, playing safety was, I like playing safety better than I like playing receiver. Did I mean, I know your dad is like a – he's an all-around football coach, but did he lean more towards defense than he did towards offense in terms of, like, mastery? Uh, yes, uh, I would say so. Um, growing up – well, I was growing up um, when I was younger. He was he was a linebacker coach, and obviously the, he would call the defense for us, and he called the defense too the whole time I was there. But he was a linebacker coach, and then he – I think it was maybe two years before I got there, he, um, he moved over to – coaching the defensive backs so um he definitely he coached me he was my position coach as well as the dc as well as the head coach but i think he definitely tended to lean more more towards the defensive side yeah so there's no escape from him right there's no escape in indy he's there oh yeah no there was there was absolutely no escape my one saving grace would be whenever the receiver coach would call me down and i'd I'd go you know he'd, he'd yell from across the field like we need him I'd be like, oh, thank God. I'd, you know, go down there and, like, work on some stuff with, with the offense. But, yeah, Indy every day, like, team every day, it was always defense first. So, there was no – yeah, there was really no getting away. <laughs> so, you, you had said something about proving people wrong. I'm, I'm just going to rattle off a couple of uh, awards that you won. You were all city. You were a New York Post, MSG, Daily News, and Daily News All-Star. You won the Fugazi Award, the Al Fabry Award, the Andy Barberi Award. I, I guess you proved everybody wrong. Uh, w- did any one of these awards mean the most to you, or are they just all lumped in together in your mind? Um, they they all mean a lot. Um, just being recognized, you know, as as all city and just people actually recognizing my play, um, is is great. Um, feels good. But I would say the 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 three just stand out was the Fugazi, 
the Fabry and the Barberi probably mean the most. Um, because I'd I'd watch a lot of players. You know, I'd been around for so long, so I'd watch a lot of great Tombo players win. You know, those awards as well as from other teams. Um, but being the being the first one, being the first person to win all three in one year, um, you know, was was pretty special. It was pretty cool. So. I think those probably those three, like winning the triple crown, probably means the most. And I, I think let, let's talk about two things. One, how what's your height and weight when you when you're playing high school football? Uh, oof. sophomore year I was probably about five seven, one twenty five, one thirty. Um, and then by the time I got to senior year, I was probably five eight, one fifty, maybe like one sixty at the beginning of the season, but. As the season goes on, you know, you tend to lose lose some pounds. So we're going to come back to that. Hold that thought. Uh, thing number two, that, that triple crown you're talking about. I mean, are all these award, awards football-based, or are they based on other stuff too? Um, the Fugazi is a, is a panel. Um, you submit, submit a five-minute highlight tape, um, and it's one, person from each, it's one person from each high school team. Um, and then the panel votes on the best player. The Fabry is given out by the paper, the Staten Island Advance. I think the Advance writers vote on that one. And then the Barberi's uh, Student Athlete Award. So you, that's what I'm hitting on. You're the total package guy, right? Like, it's not just about dominating on a football field and doing nothing in the classroom. You're legitimately dominating the classroom, too. Yeah, I, I tried to. Well, I kind of had to, but, yeah, I tried to as well. Now, what does that mean you kind of had to? Uh, from an early, from a very early age, there was a heavy emphasis put on just grades in my house. Um, you know, I was lucky where I, I you know, I was pretty smart. So, uh, but you know, my mom worked with me a lot to make sure my grades were good. And then I was my father, you know, there was no, there was no B's allowed. It was A's only GPA's got to stay, you know, at four O, those type of things. So if I was, uh, you know, I get a bad grade in middle school or something, Xbox would get taken away for two months until the next report card or something like that. High school, you know, it was still the it was still the same thing. There was uh there was repercussions to to not getting good grades. So as I although I I wanted to get good grades myself, you know, there was there was that push coming where like it was like you know you need to get good grades, like you need to get into a good college, and that's that's what's going to carry you farther in life and in college than you know playing football. So. Did you ever let any of this high school success get to your head? I try. I tried not to. I tried not to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. There, there were probably some times where I was saying, you know, I'm better than this and that, and but I, I, for the most part, I, I tend to think I'm a pretty humble guy. So, and, and I'm sure being in a football family, it's going to keep you real humble, real fast. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. There would be times I had a great, I thought I had a great game, and we come into the film session, and I'm just getting roasted of things, you know, little plays or little things here and there that I didn't do that I didn't even think about. I'm just thinking about, oh, you know, I, I went for 100 and had two touchdowns, and you know, I had a great game, but then we came into the film room and it's like, well, you know, this guy's misaligned on this play and it's your fault, and now they got a first down because of it, so. I'm just saying, you know, it'll put you, it'll, it'll knock you down a peg real, real quick. So in high school, which team would you consider to be your biggest rivalry? Um, well, grow, growing up around Tomville, the, our biggest rival was always New Dort. Those were always great, great rivalry games. Um, so look, coming into high school, I was looking forward to that, those Tomville New Dort games. Um, but. I think throughout my 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 high school career, um, it kind of changed and it became Erasmus Hall. We played them twice my sophomore year, you know, one in the regular season, one in the semifinals. Played them in the championship my junior year and then senior year. Once again, it was once in the regular season and then once in the semifinals. So, seeing them that many times and every single one of those games held a ton of weight. Um, I'd say that was probably the biggest rivalry. Now, would you argue now that that's still the biggest rivalry for Tottenville, Erasmus? Um, yeah, Erasmus and Erasmus and Curtis. Curtis had their run where where they had beaten us twice in the playoffs. Um, but this year again, you know, we beat Erasmus in the regular season, and then they came back um, and beat us in the championship this past year. 
So I'd say that rivalry is still is still pretty big. Um, and has some pretty big implications on the PSAL football scene. Uh, that's a good call out with Curtis. I, maybe I'd say, you know, it's a 1A and 1B. At least in Staten Island, that's a huge rivalry, Curtis and Tottenville. But then you take it out and you expand it to all of New York City. Yeah, it's a, Erasmus is probably the 1A, at yes. least right now. Yes. Uh, while I was there, and then I'd say right now, yeah. So is there a game that you would go, like, if you could take it back in high school, like, what game would it be and why? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, it, it'd obviously be one of my three losses in the in the playoffs, either semifinals. Uh, my sophomore year, junior year, we lost to Razzles again, and then senior year, you know, two straight championships by one point. It'd have to be one of those games that I wish I could take back and wish I could get a W in one of those. Um, probably, probably junior there. Probably junior year, though. Wow. You, wait, did you say you lost two straight years by one point? Yeah, we lost my junior year. We lost 14-13 or maybe 15-14. Yeah, 15-14. And then my senior year, we lost 28-27. Wow. So, those are, <laughs> yeah, tough, tough breaks, tough breaks. And, that you know, people don't realize it, but, you know, to a guy who's playing high school football, a guy who's playing college football, a guy who's playing peewee, it doesn't matter. This stuff matters to you, right? Like, you're going to live with that for the rest of your life, good or bad. So maybe somebody who's never played high school football, who's never coached it, has no idea why you care so much. But you know, I could still, I could feel how much, how badly you feel right now just talking about it. But it's oh, because yeah. you invested so much in it. Yeah, you invest so much, especially coming off of junior year, where all year, you know, we were, I'd say we were the best team in the city, um, and then just losing that heartbreaker, um, in which you know I missed a tackle on the two point conversion that probably ended up being the game. Um, that stung. So that was that was my internal drive that whole senior year of like, you know, we're going to get back. We're going to get it done this time. Um, and a lot of kids, we had a lot of juniors play on that team. So senior year, that was kind of our mentality was, you know, we're going to get it back. Like, we're going to get back there. And actually, we, you know, we're going to get it done this time, get over the hump. Um, and then we lose by one again. But, you know, me, me and the buddies, whenever we talk about it, we still, we still talk about it. And, you know, we'll still just be like, damn can't believe you lost by one like two years in a row and then you know you go to college you talk to other kids and they're like you know I won state I won this you know we won when I was in high school and I'm just like yeah I lost back to back by one people are like oh my god that's tough well, this is just my, my humble opinion I feel like losing in those tight situations it hurts at the time but man does it make such a better impact on your life depending on how you handle it you know, I think early failures in life are a lot better to you than early success, depending on how you react to it. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that statement. I would agree with that statement. So you, you said you were about 5'8", about 160. How did you overcome that? that that's, that's not a big dude at all uh, on a varsity level playing safety. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just prided myself on being – like, obviously, I knew I wasn't going to be the biggest or the strongest or the fastest – um, on the field, there was always going to be people bigger, like I said, bigger, stronger, faster, better athletes. Um, but for me, I just prided myself on like being a football player, just being able to like make plays regardless. Um, you know, I didn't really care how big you were. Like I was still going to hit you. Um, and I just prided myself on like being smarter and just knowing the game better than anybody else and just putting myself in the right spots to make plays. You know, like you could be faster than me, but, you know, if I'm if I take this angle, you know, if I take a great angle here, like there's nothing you can do about it. So I just pride myself on just being smarter than everybody um, and just trying to, like I said, put myself in the perfect spot in order to make plays. Now, did did you think that this were there times where this, quote unquote, perceived weakness of being small? Did it ever turn into a strength? Did people underestimate you? Oh, yeah, all the time all the time um you know it like i said everyone always be you know ah he's a small he's a small guy like it doesn't he doesn't really matter you know he can't tackle me or something like that um but i just i just use that as internal motivation for myself i just put a chip on my shoulder and was like okay you don't think i can do it watch and i'll prove you wrong awesome love it so so what is the college recruiting process look like for you like how did you know when did it start to become clear in your mind that you were going to go to navy i had been around navy for a while i had known 
um, about Navy for a while. My cousin going to, you know, the Naval Academy, um, you know, about five years, six years before, before me. So I had known about, I had known about Navy. I'd been going to the camps from my freshman year. Um, but when I finally realized like I'm going to go to Navy was, was probably during my senior year. Um, they offered me at the junior camp going into my senior year and then I, I didn't commit right away. Um, but I think deep down, I, I always knew from, at least from that time during my high school days, like that's, that's where I was going to be going. What was it like the first time you walked onto that campus? First time as like a student or just first time being there in general? In general. Um, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's a really nice campus. Um, it's right on the water, so it's surrounded by water. Um, so you know, like you're you're in one of your academic buildings and you're looking out, you're looking at like the Chesapeake Bay. So it's a pretty beautiful campus. The football um, facility is set up, and like our practice fields and all that stuff is set up right, right on the water. So walking onto it the first time, I was like, wow, you know, this place is really nice. Um, and then obviously when you get there as a student, it's a it's a little bit different, but. I, I, I liked it. I really thought it was a nice campus. So what are the, the requirements to get into Navy, right? It's not like you just need a, a good SAT score and you walk in. There's other things you got to stuff. other stuff you got to do, right? Well, yeah, grades. Grades are one of them. Um, you got to have great grades. I, I don't know the exact specifics of what, what their cutoff is. Um, but getting in there grade-wise is pretty tough. You, you have to get a nomination from um, a congressman to go. Um, and then there's physical requirements that you have to meet in order to get in. And Navy, it's obviously an awesome place. Its reputation speaks for itself, but it's clearly not for everybody. What percentage of people go to the school and then just leave, let's say, the football team and then or leave the, the Naval Academy in and of itself? I think we started off my... My freshman class was 1,300 kids, um, and then we graduated a little bit less than 1,000, so about 300 kids, give or take, had left. Now, is it – I'm thinking back to when I was in high school. There was a couple of guys on staff. So I know when I was in high school going into college, a couple of guys that I really respected, they had left the Naval Academy. And I said, what's going on? Like, what, what's the deal? They said, man, this is hard. So can you talk me through the typical day of a, a student or a student athlete at a Naval um, Typical day for us be probably waking up at 06, um, going over to the football facility, getting a lift in, and then heading over to breakfast. Class would start at 7.55. Um, we go class from 7.55 to 11.55. Then we'd have lunch. Um, we'd all eat together. The whole football team would eat together. And then we'd head over back back over to the football building for uh, meetings or treatment or, you know, whatever we had to do. Um, and then class would start up again at 1.30. We'd go class 1.30 to 4.30. Head back over to the locker room. Get ready for practice. Um, once practice would end... We would get our treatment, get whatever we needed to get, um, watch film, do whatever we needed to do, and then go go over, have dinner. And then by the time we got back to the room, I'd say it was about like 8, 8.30. Um, you try to just get whatever homework you had to do, get it done as soon as possible, and then get to sleep, and then just wake up, do it all again the next day. Now, if someone is not a football player, are they doing something else? Are they doing PT? Do they have daily regiments that they have to follow? Um, everybody, everybody at the academy has to play a sport, whether it's like a club sport or, um, intramurals, whatever it is, they have to play sports, but, you know, people playing club or intramural, um, yeah, their, their day's a little bit different. Um, they have to go to morning formation, noon formation. Um, but then after, after school is done at four thirty, when, when we, when they get out, they pretty much have the rest of the day for themselves to PT or do whatever they want to do. So what, what was the life like you, 
you come out of high school, you win every single award. You're probably one of the, the smartest kids in Tottenville High School. What's it like transitioning to a place where everybody is the best player on their team and everybody's the smartest person in their school? Um, it was it was tough. It was a tough transition, um, for sure. There was, you know, in Tottenville, um, or even growing up in middle school, I didn't I didn't really have to study a ton in order to, to get good grades. Um, you know, it was pretty easy. I just study, you know, the night before twenty minutes and that was it. Um, you know, I was, I was able to, to do good. Um, so getting to the Academy is a little bit of a slap in the face. I was like, whoa, I don't really, like, I don't, I don't know how to, you know, how to study and to take no and do, do these things that I need to. So there was, there, there was definitely a bit of a learning curve, um, when I was first getting there, but it was, it was tough. Was there was ever tough. a moment in your mind where you said, I can't do this. This isn't right for me. Yes, there was. Yes, there was. Um, after after my sophomore year, yeah, after sophomore year, you you go on a summer training because every summer we have to do some type of like military training. Um, so we went on this thing called Protramid. So you spend you know a week with aviation. You spend some time with the Marines. You spend some time on a submarine. You spend some time on a on a surface warfare ship, um, and it kind of just gives you like a little insight in, into what branches you can go into and what you can do after you graduate with your, with your time in service. Um, and I remember getting back home and I was just like, man, I, I can't see myself doing any of these things. You know, I, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be in the military. Um, but I ended up staying and here I am, you know, two years into it now. So. Did did someone did you have somebody to talk to about this? Did you feel comfortable having this conversation, or was this just inner reflection? Oh well, I had the conversation with my my parents. Um, obviously, I had the conversation with my my mother first, and was like, "Mom, I don't think I could do it. Like, I, I don't want to do this. Like, you know, none of this stuff. Like, I can't see myself being happy doing any of these things. Blah blah blah. Um, you know, and then sat down, had the conversation with my father, um, and then. You know, we'll say the specifics of how the conversation went, but <laughs> after that conversation, I was like, yeah, well, maybe, you know, maybe I should, I should just stay, um, stick it out. So that's what exactly what I ended up doing. Yeah, and you, you thank him every day for the rest of your life. I'm, I'm thinking through when I was in, in college, I'm at a, you know, Columbia University. I, I was the smartest guy in my high school. I was one of the best football players and I get there, I'm at the bottom of the barrel in both, and every single day, I'm, this isn't for me. I got to leave. I'm not smart enough to be here. I'm not good enough to be here. And my parents were like, you're not leaving. There's, there's nothing you're going to do. You're staying in this school whether you like it or not. And I'm so glad they did. Yeah, no, that I mean, that, that was pretty much what it was. You know, dad was just like, hey, you know, you want to be a man and, you know, make a man's decision? Like, you're going to be on your own. You know, pay for your own college, get a job, you know, sell your car. Like, this is what you're going to have to do. Like. I'm not going to help you make a terrible decision. So, you know, you, you want to be a man and make a man's decision? Like, you're going to be on your own. And I was like, I, I started thinking about it. I was like, ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I can handle <laughs> that right now. So maybe I should just stay. And, you know, that's pretty much exactly what I decided to do. I love that he made the alternative worse for you. I love it. Yeah, no. I mean, and it, it, yeah, it was, like I said, he, he, he pretty much put it into perspective. You know, I just thought about, you know, oh, I'm going to leave. And then the questions were, you know, okay, so where are you going to go? What are you going to do? What are you going to major in? Like, how are you going to pay for it? How are we going to do all this stuff? And I was just like, oh, I didn't really think that through. I just was thinking about getting out of this place. Um, and I was like, well, maybe the academy actually is the best thing for me. So ended up saying, ended up working out. I wonder how many parents out there would have enabled that situation. Oh, it's okay, honey. Uh, you know what? This is too hard for you. Just take it easy. Come home. Don't worry about it. We'll pay for your car. Whatever you want to do, you do. Uh, I, I mean, I say there's there's probably a lot, but you know, growing up in my household, there, you know, we weren't quitting anything growing up. Um, you know, that was one thing my father would say. You know, you're not quitting. So when we went, when I went there the first year, he was like, you're making it through plebe year, which is obviously the toughest year. You got to go through plebe summer and the boot camp. And plebe year just, just stinks. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. You know, you're just – the upperclassmen are messing with you 24-7. So he's like, you know, you're making it through that. So then after that, I was like, you know, 
Like I'll do the see, I'll do sophomore year. It should be better. Shouldn't be as bad as the freshman year. Like it, it can only go up because as you go up, you know, year to year, you get more privileges. So then, when you hit junior year, you can finally wear like they call it civilian clothes, which is like your own clothes. You know, you don't have to go out in town in uniform. And then senior, year, you can drive, and you know, you can take weekends on a Friday and a Saturday. So there's just more. There's more incentives as you as you got up and as you got older. So I was like, you know, I was like, well, maybe I'll, you know, I'll do sophomore year. And then I was like, well, you know, dad was saying as well, you know, you've done two, you've done half. It might as well just, you know, finish it up. So. Are there, when you're done with your other half, are there requirements, like are there service obligations that you have to fill after graduating the academy? Yeah, so first day of junior year, um, you sign what's called the two for seven. And that's pretty much saying you owe the government, you know, two more years of school and five years of service. So if I had left after my sophomore year, um, before I signed two for seven, I wouldn't have owed them any money. But if you leave junior year or senior year, you're paying back all that money that, you know, the taxpayers paid for you to go to school. So I think it's, you end up owing probably around like somewhere between like 240, 260 grand. <laughs> Talk about an incentive. Yeah, exactly. It was I. I don't want to pay that. So, so I right now, are you doing your service obligations right now? I am. Yeah, I'm two years. I'm two years into it right now. I actually hit two years. Um, next Monday, so five days. What are you doing? Um, I'm a Marine stationed down in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Wow. God bless you, man. God bless you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly go – I'm going to change gears a little bit toward your football career at, at Navy. And I'm looking through your bio, and it said uh, you chose Navy because I am too damn small to play anywhere else. What does that comment mean? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember making that comment, um, but <laughs> – You think the coach threw that in there? I don't know, maybe. Um, but, I mean, it pretty much is exactly what it means. You know, I, I wish – you know, if I was big enough or if, I, you know, if I was bigger, yeah, would I have loved to go play at an, at an Alabama or an Ohio State? You know, of course. But um, I definitely just wasn't big enough, fast enough or to go to go any to go um, any of those places. But, you know, I was looking um, Ivy Leagues um, and then, you know, Navy. So um, I really ended up choosing Navy because of the foot, the football aspect. Um, just because I, I wanted to play, you know, like big time college football, you know, I wanted to play against Notre Dame. I wanted to play at army Navy every year, you know, where you're getting 80,000 people at the game, um, air force, like, so I, and plus we were joining the conference. Um, I knew that we were joining the American conference. So we're going to have a chance to play, you know, for a conference championship, which we did my South, no, my junior year, you know, we played for a conference championship. So I really ended up just choosing Navy because of the, of the football aspect. I wanted to play big, you know, big time college football. Now I, I know that you've gone to army Navy games as a, as a younger kid before you were in the school, then you were obviously there as a player from, you know, how much did the environment change in your mind from being a, a, a spectator to an actual person on the team? It's definitely a lot different as a spectator. As a spectator, I think, you know, going to the games, um, you're more, you know, you're you're a fan. You're taking in, you know, the Blue Angels flying over, the helicopters, you know, the president being there, all the, you know, kind of like hoopla that goes along with the Army-Navy game. Um, and then once, you know, once you're on the team, your focus really narrows down to, you know, we got to just win. We got to win this game. You know, we got to beat Army. That's all it is the whole year is just, you know, it's on our shirts. It's on all the weights in the weight room. It's in the locker room. You know, everywhere you see it, when we break stuff down, it's always, that's always the, you know, that's always what you hear. It's always what you see is beat army. Like that's the number one goal every year is beat army. Is the, is the season a failure? If you win every game and lose to army, is the season a failure? In In certain ways, yes. In certain ways, yes. I mean, I, um, I, I get it. I, I can never get it. I'm lying. I, I, I almost kind of fake get it from other rivalries. But 
is there any bigger rivalry than Army Navy? I mean, I, I'd say it's definitely top. I'd say it's definitely top three in college football, um, for sure. I think I'd, I'd put it up there with the Iron Bowl um, and Michigan Ohio State. Uh, does it have the same college football implications? You know, probably not. You know, a lot of times whoever wins that, you know, that Iron Bowl, that Ohio State Michigan State is going to college football playoff and will go on to you know play for a national championship. Obviously, Army Navy. It's not coming down to that, but I think it just means more, um, as you said, like what the game actually means, um, what it means to, you know, the United States, what it means to the players, what it means to the, you know, the people that have gone, like there have been some great people that have played in that game, um, you know, that have then gone on and lost their life serving the country. So I think it means more in that aspect. And, and I'm sure in a weird way, and it's probably not true, but there's probably more people watching the Army-Navy game thinking, man, I can be that guy than watching, watching Michigan-Ohio State. You're probably like, I can never be those guys, but I can be those guys. And now, look, it's almost impossible to be a Navy football player. There's a very small percentage of the people in the world that can actually do it. But in their mind, oh, I can do that. So I think they even connect with the players on the field so much more. And for everything else you just said about, you know, the, the country, uh, the, the long-standing rivalry, and then people that have gone on to serve and lost their lives. So all that stuff together, at least to me, makes it man, it is it's sick. It's completely sick. Yeah, no, they. I mean, for majority of people, I'd say ninety-nine percent of people that play in that game is a senior. You know, that's the last time you're gonna play football. You know, where like you said, Ohio State, Michigan, or you know, in Alabama, Auburn, like a lot of those guys. Majority of those guys are going on, and they're gonna play on Sundays. For us, it's like as a senior, that's the last probably time you're going to put on a helmet and shoulder pads and actually go out on the field and play. So, And that I, – look, I'm with you on that too. Right? I'm playing uh, Columbia football. I'd say the same thing for us. We're playing 99.95% of our guys. It was their last game, and you literally pour your entire heart and soul into that game. And to yeah. think of even high school – there's probably more guys at a high school game, there definitely is, going in to play college football than there are at our level of football going in to play in the NFL. So if this is it. You're hanging it all out there. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So what – look, I love that triple option offense. What was it like defending it every day uh, or just being around it every day as a defensive back? No, oh, it was annoying. It was annoying, man. Getting cut all the time. It was it was a pain. It was a pain. And as a DB, that you know, I didn't I didn't mind tackling. I didn't mind hitting. Um, but you know, I I always I always enjoyed coverage more. So you know, I would always rather play a team that's you know running the spread than a team that's running the triple option or running the wishbone or you know going double tight end I formation. Um, so that you know there wasn't there wasn't a ton of passing in the option offense. We'd probably throw the ball twice a game. You know, we'd work on it in practice and still do seven on seven and stuff like that. But it was it was a pain to defend, man. I, you know, I, I love what you said because you were a DB. I'll say you are a DB. You'll be a DB for the rest of your life until you're 95 years old. But, you know, something we were trying to sell with the double wing was we want to ruin these DBs' days. They're going to camps all summer. They're in one-on-one drills. They're in coverage drills. They want to do all this fancy, fun stuff. And now they're going to play us, and it's going to be the worst part of their year. I hope we ruin their whole year thinking about this game is that the same mindset that coach i'll call him coach ken uh because i'm not going to pronounce his last name right niamatololo niamatololo yep yeah is is that was he was he trying to instill that in his guys how did he keep them so excited about running this quote-unquote oldie style offense i mean you you pretty much you pretty much hit it right on the head um it was you know we're gonna play you know these teams and every team that we play for the most part, besides probably Army, um, is going to be bigger than us. They're going to be stronger. They're going to be faster. They're going to be better athletes. You know, they're going to have guys going to the NFL and all this stuff. Um, but, like, that doesn't matter. You know, you can have the best DT defensive end in the country, and, you know, our offensive line will come off the field, and they say, oh, yeah, this guy is, this guy's sick of it. He can't wait to get out of this game. Because they don't want to just be cut, play in and play out, you know, you got middle linebackers, they're getting cut all the time. You know, our receivers are cutting DBs 30, 40 yards down the field on runs. And it's just like people just said, you know, you would have players come off the field and be like, yeah, no, we're, we're getting to them. We got them. Um, 
so that was kind of how how I would say he kept us kept us interested um, and kept us excited about it was you know like if you can run the triple option well it kind of evens the playing field you know so it doesn't matter how great they are and how big they are um, you know if we could just rattle on off just slowly chipping away just control the clock you know five six seven yards a pop you know that's that's the way we're gonna win games you know we can't go spread and do all this fancy stuff you know we got to be tough hard-nosed people and you know we got to out physical and out tough people so and, and i remember watching nick saban after alabama i can't remember who they were playing it might have been citadel but they had a rough first half and they, they came back they ended up winning the game but he said it's so hard to get your players up to play this it, and this is nick saban you know like the master motivator the guy yeah, who's got no. everything at stake yeah it was uh i, I think i remember the exact game it was georgia southern game and Georgia Southern was running up and down the field on Alabama. And, 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 like and to your said, point, it's a, it's a great, it, it levels the playing field, man. It really does. It's a great equalizer. And, yep. Yep. And you get guys that just don't want to keep, keep playing. Like, take me out. Now, can I ask you this question? It might be some confidential information. I don't want to hurt Navy, but any tips on how to slow this thing down? Uh, you got, you got to stop the dive. That's, that's, that's number one. Got to tackle the dive, hit the quarterback every play. Um, you just gotta make you gotta make them pitch the ball. You know, this is how I know you know a lot about football because most people say you gotta stop that pitch, but yeah, you gotta stop. I'm calling it midline. I guess you're calling it dive. If you don't stop that, the, the whole game's over. Yeah, if it's you're over. not, yeah, if you're not stopping the beer, it's over. <laughs> so, Coach Ken, he that people said his their favorite quote of him is, "It's hard to freaking win." What does that mean? means exactly what it sounds like it's hard <laughs> it is hard to freaking win um you know he would just say it all the time like it's hard you know it's hard to freaking win it's hard to freaking win um because you know it really is football is the ultimate i just call it the ultimate team sport where you know in baseball you could have a pitcher goes eight shutout innings and you know you could get three hits and you win a game because that guy that one guy dominated the game or you know you could have basketball you could have a michael jordan go for 50 or 60 and they're going to win the game because that that guy dominated the game like football it ain't like that you it's the ultimate the ultimate team sport so you know he would always say we need to be on point in every in everything we do in every facet of the game so you know you got to play great on defense you got to play great on offense you got to have great special teams you know you can't turn you got to win the turnover battle that was a huge thing with us you know tie and tight with the ball all the time you know if you had caught a ball and you were running, jogging back on the line and that thing dropped and it wasn't high and tight and somebody saw it, you know, you were running a lap, you were getting yelled at. So, um, as it, it is hard to win. So we just put a lot of emphasis on just attention to detail and just trying to be perfect because as a team that was probably going to be outmatched as far as athleticism and size, we had to be, near perfect to win games and that's that's why i think that's where the it's hard to freaking win came from first of all i love your response i, I love what he said I, the first question i gotta ask is from a, a, your perspective are navy guys i would think you'd think they'd be just more disciplined naturally are they more disciplined or does he did he really have to constantly reinforcing that point like we got to do everything right because it is so hard to win i would i would say we we naturally we had a, a natural discipline to us i mean you're in a military school you better be disciplined or you know you're gonna have a tough tough time um at school every day and just your general well-being of life is not going to be pretty high um if you you know if you're not disciplined um but we're disciplined obviously everyone everyone makes mistakes but I, i'd say for the most part we were more disciplined than you know the other team and then I'd say on the, the second part of that is, you know, people, they'll think that they're entitled to win. Like, well, we showed up, we, 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 uh, we signed up, we got a jersey, I should just win. So, I, I, again, I love the fact that he's reiterating, no, it's not like that. You got to be great. You have to be excellent, perfect in everything you're doing or you're not going to win. Yeah, no, ex exactly, exactly. And, and we, we weren't the type of team, like I said, we didn't have the athletes or the size to have that mentality of, you know, uh, you know, if we just show up, we're going to win. You know, it, it definitely, nobody, nobody was thinking that in the locker room of, oh, you know, 
we're here. Like, we'll be fine. Like, we had a, eh, we kind of had a decent week of practice, but like, we're good enough to win. Like, no, that that was not the mindset at all. So, what made them change you from a defensive back to a slot receiver? Um, I I wanted I wanted to make the change. Um, I had my the coach that recruited me, Coach Buddy Green. He was the DC and the DB coach. Um, at the time, and he had recruited um, me coming out of high school. Um, during South Korea camp, he had to step away from the team due to some due to some illnesses. Um, so he wa- he wasn't the coach. He wasn't my position coach anymore, and he wasn't calling the defense. Um, and I, I really just enjoyed playing for him. Loved playing for him. So once he wasn't he wasn't going to be the coach anymore. Um, you know, I just. They they saw what I was doing, uh, like my my freshman year, um, being on the on the scout team. They you know I'm working against um, you know the defense, um, running routes and doing things like that. And I think they they saw what I could do from a slot receiver, um, a back standpoint. So one of the coaches had brought it up to me, and I was I was all for it. So I made the switch over to to offense. Was it great not getting cut anymore? Yeah, it was great doing the cutting. Yeah, no, and that and that was another thing about it as well. I was like, oh, you know, I could always, I I always tackled well, so I was like, you know, it's kind of very similar. So there should be no reason why I shouldn't be able to cut everybody on the field. Um, so yeah, no, that that was nice. You know, working being a DB for so long and dealing with that, and then cutting, you know, my classmates and the, and you know, and the kids that I had suffered through it with, it, it was pretty fun. Now, did you did you get any injuries that actually sideline you from the game? Yeah, my, my junior year, um, around October, um, I had had a wrist injury, um, and they thought it was, you know, I had just sprained my wrist or high rescinded my wrist, um, and then turned out um, I actually had torn a, a bunch of ligaments in my wrist and needed surgery, so I ended up getting surgery in the offseason in February, no, March, March of my junior year, and then again in June, going into my senior year. Wow. So you basically lost half your junior year, and did you lose all of your senior year? Yeah, I lost all my senior year. So I, I, I played, it happened in October, and then I played the rest of the season with it. Okay. Um, so if I would have gotten the surgery earlier on, maybe I would have been back, ready to roll by senior year, but... Um, by the time I had gotten the surgery, cause the surgery, I had torn some ligaments in my wrist, um, that like, it's called a scapefold, scapefold lunate ligament. Um, so it's like the ligaments in the wrist that hold the bones in the wrist together. Um, so my bones are shredding apart. Um, so the big thing for them was, you know, if, if you could not get the surgery and then we don't know if you play your senior year, we don't know if you'll be able to get if there'll be enough if there'll be so much damage where we can't do anything and we can't operate on it um and then you know you'll start to develop arthritis and years down the line you know you'll have to fuse your wrist um and there was some uncertainty of whether I was going to be able to go to the marine corps if I waited on the surgery which is at, at that point I had decided that I had wanted to go into the marine corps so um just looking at the future, decided to get the surgery when I did, kind of knowing that I wasn't going to be back for my senior year until mid-season. Um, but like I said, I had to just look at the future at that point and just make that tough decision. Now, did you become something known as a, a student assistant coach? Yeah, I, I was a student coach my senior year. So, how, once how I knew, so once I knew that I wasn't going to be back in time, um, you know, I, I had talked to Coach Ken and sat down and he said, listen, you know, we love having you around. Like, we love you on the team. If you want to play and you want to, you know, do the, the comeback, great. Um, but at that point, I had, you know, I was thinking about coaching after my military service and getting into coaching. Really enjoyed, you know, just football and the X's and O's portion of it. So I talked to him and asked him, you know, hey, would I be able to stay on? Um you know, and just be, be a student coach and just help out and, you know, come to the meetings and everything. And he said, absolutely. Um, he kind of knew my, 
my football smarts um, and my X's and O's and, and that I knew the game really well. So he was all for it and he was great with it. I, I'd go to the meetings um, during camp, you know, in the mornings um, with, with all the coaches where they would talk about, you know, personnel and, and things of that nature, like kind of some sensitive things that if I, if I would have gone back to the locker room um, and told people, it, it may not have been a good day for, uh, for the coach, for them, you know. So he, he really put a lot of trust in me of, you know, just saying like, hey, you know, you can, you can do anything that, you know, you could come to any of the meetings or do anything that a regular coach can do. Um, you know, I trust you. I talked to the receiver coach and he's like, yeah, I'd love to have you on board. So that's what I did at my senior year, I coached the receivers. Was it weird coaching people that you were teammates with? No, I had a great relationship with, you know, pretty much everybody on the team. Um, you know, two of my best friends were receivers, so just coaching them was good. And and they all knew that, you know, it wasn't like it was just some random person, some random kid from school coming out there and, you know, trying to give them pointers and tell them what to do. Um you know, they knew that I knew football and they knew that I that I knew a lot of things. So they would come to me and say, hey, yo, you know what, on this route or this coverage and, and ask me some things knowing that knowing that I knew the answer. Um, so they were good. They were good about it. They were real good about it. So I'm going to get uh, I know we're on a podcast and it's kind of personal, but I'm going to get really personal here. So I'll speak for myself first. So when I was at Columbia, I didn't play my freshman year. So I had an extra year of eligibility. I was trying. I did stay in the school of fifth year but the school would not let me play, which would have been my fourth year of college football. So I ended up playing three years of college football. My last year, like you, I, I coached a little bit around my engineering schedule, but I still to this day have a hole in my heart for that last year. I, I'll still dream about getting to a game and I can't find my cleats. I can't find my helmet. Like the whole team's out there and I just can't go play. Is this stuff, is it still eating at you at all? Or are you completely okay with it? No, it, it, I mean, it does eat at me. It, while I was at practice, you know, sometimes like during the summer workouts, I'd be like, ah, yeah, kind of, uh, I don't miss this, you know, I don't miss these summer workouts in the 100 degrees and doing all that stuff. But then, you know, sometimes practice is, is sucks. So there'd be times where I'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't miss that. But <laughs> on, on, on Saturdays, um, and then even a lot during practice, I'd be like, man, I, I, I do, I do miss just putting on a helmet and just, I, just being out there, you know, like even if I wasn't going to see the field, like it, it is, it is just nice putting on the helmet. So yeah, I, I do, I do miss it. And it does suck. Just not, you know, the career, like at least when you're a senior, you know, Hey, this is, this is going to be it. This is my last, you know, this is my last dance. Um, but you know, as a junior, when you get the career kind of ending injury um, and you don't have a chance for that senior year, like I said, I had to make the decision of, you know, play and risk a lot or, you know, just just hang up the cleats. So having to make the decision was tough, but I think I ultimately ultimately made the right decision. But yeah, it does it does still sink sometimes. Well, I know you mentioned that you uh, you were thinking about coaching. Obviously from the, having your background and just hearing you in this conversation, you make an awesome coach. But I'll tell you this me not playing football that last year really made me understand how precious football is. And at least for me, I feel like it's made me a better coach because I just care so much about what I lost. So if you're going in, you might have, you might have this awesome, great chip on your shoulder and a healthy, positive chip that'll make you a sick, sick coach. Now, are you thinking about going back and coaching after you're done with your military obligations? Uh, yeah, I am. I still have three more years, so still a long ways away um, to actually – you know, get out of the military and then, and then make that decision. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely something I think about a lot. Um, definitely something to think about all the time. I was actually going to volunteer down at a high school down here, um, and coach this season, but you know, with COVID, uh, that isn't happening. So, um, going to try to, you know, whenever high school football starts back up again, um, start volunteering, doing some coaching down here. Um, but that it is definitely something I think about a lot. So I, I glossed over this before when you mentioned it, and I'm, I'm going to ask a question now. <laughs> Excuse my ignorance with the military. So you graduate from the Naval Academy. Now you're a Marine. What did you have to do to become a Marine after graduating? So you put you in order to be a Marine, everyone has to go to what they call um, Leatherneck, and it's like a summer training. 
where you go down um, to base in Virginia um, and you do like a month of Marine Corps training um, and you have to make it through that in order to be qualified to select Marine Corps coming out of the academy. Um, and then you just you just put in your preferences. So you just rank your preferences of what you want to do. Um, and then, you know, they, they pick based on that. Some people put Marine Corps, didn't get it. Some people put, you know, I think the only, really the, the only thing you can, everybody can do is go surface warfare, go actual Navy. Um, but, you know, if you want to go and be a pilot, there's summer training things that you need to do. Um, if you want to be a sub, there, if you want to go on a submarine, um, there's, there's summer trainings that you need to do. There's interviews that you need to do and there's requirements that you got to meet. So once you meet all those requirements to be a Marine, um, the physical requirements and then doing the training, I just, I put it down as number one. And, you know, the, we had, we had, um, a lot of Marines that worked with us at the football team. Um, you know, we had a gunnery sergeant and a captain and a colonel that worked with us, um, on the football team that kind of just ran our day-to-day operations and, you know, took care of us. Um, so there was a real strong Marine Corps base, like within the football team. So a lot of us went Marine Corps. Um, so that was, that was really, that's really it. Now you said you go away for about a month of training. Is it the same training that a guy like me would get if I go walk into a recruiting office and say, I want a Marine or do you get a, a different set of training because you were a football player and you went to the Naval Academy? Um, so the, the training that you do, the summer training that you do is the same for everybody. If you're at the Academy, I don't think boot camp, if you want to go and just join the Marine Corps as an enlisted is different than what we did. Um, after you graduate as an officer of the Marine Corps, you have to go to what they call TBS, which is the basic school where they teach you all the basics and everything that you need in order to be a Marine Corps officer. So pretty much the training that you get while at the academy, that summer training, is just a mini shortened version of what you get at TBS after you graduate. So I graduated in August of 2018 and then went to TBS in October and then was at training for seven months, graduated in May of 2019. I'm just thinking about the the average person. The common person probably can't, uh, not probably, most likely can't become a Marine. The average person most likely can't go to the Naval Academy. They can't play football. Uh, Do you feel like there's anything you can't do? Um, No. (laughs) I love it. No. Um, My my father had always said that growing up, you know, like there's just nothing, you know, the, the, base expression you know everyone said you know when you put your mind to something like you can you can get anything done um so i've i've always kind of felt that because whatever i've wanted to do i've always been able to accomplish the goal um so yeah no i I wouldn't say there's anything i can't do so let's talk about another goal that i'm gonna make for you the 2020 thanksgiving tough man so you came in 2019 it was you your dad coach manos uh, Coach Manos' son, you guys didn't all wear cleats, and it was a real rough day at the office. Yeah, it was. It was a. It was definitely a rough day at the office. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know why everyone didn't have cleats. Um, I probably shouldn't have gone out all night the night before, and <laughs> you know, not gotten any sleep. Got home, and pretty much twenty minutes later, Manos was outside. You know, like, hey, let's go, let's get it. Um, so. If I do come back this year, uh, so I'll probably probably actually try to get some sleep and you know not be not be hung over that 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 morning. Now, did you know you were doing this, or did he just show up at your house and say, "Let's no, go"? No, no, I knew. Um, so if, if Coach Manos asked me again to do it, I'm gonna have to do it. I can't say no to Coach Manos. Um, so if he he had asked me to do it, he's like, "Would he?" I don't even I can't remember. I don't even think he asked. He pretty much was just like, "Hey, you know, we're doing this thing with George." That it is what it is, and I was just like, "Shit, okay, I guess so. I guess we're doing it." Yeah, I don't think you have an option. You're doing it. Unless, yeah. You know, let's the let's the the Marines say you can't come back for Thanksgiving. We need you there. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I don't think I have an option. Like I said, if if Mano says I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Uh, aside from bringing cleats and not staying out all night, 
is there anything that you else that you've learned from observing the competition? Yeah, we, we I don't know. We all need to work out more. Well, Dad's got to get in the gym. Manos, I don't know. We got to do something. We got to change up something because we we did not do very well. Coach Manos is now he's he's ready. He's got a whole operation ready. He's got guys doing sliders in front of his house. He is prepped. So you better not let him down. Well, I didn't even I didn't even know that. He is I'm prepping. Pro- I'm probably gonna get a call after he listens to this. He's you got a coach I mean? coming to him on tomorrow. Our tough man champ Joe Trunzo is going to New Jersey to coach his guys up on the tough man. Oh wow! I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting that same training. Many, maybe maybe Manos <laughs> wants. Maybe Manos wants to take somebody else instead of me this year. I don't know. We need you there, man. All right, we're gonna get into the rapid fire general questions. Uh, quick Q and A. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. If you could put anything on a billboard on the Staten Island Expressway, what would it say? Oh my goodness. Yeah. This. I. I've been thinking about this one a lot, and I can't. I don't know. I can't come up with anything. Um, it probably just have to do something with something with Tottenville, something with Tottenville football. Um, just put it up there for everybody to see. I like that. Just let everybody know what's going on. I yeah, like just that. Let, it, let everybody know it's you know the Ville, the Ville is number one on Staten Island. Like a big pirate head or something like that. Yes, yeah, something, something just to just to let everybody know that the Ville is where it's at. You know, there's there's a there's another school that's kind of down Highland that you know. Come, come to, uh, come to Tomville and say, come to 100 Luton. <laughs> what failure in your life, inside or outside of training, actually led to a huge success? I mean, I wouldn't say. I don't really take anything as a failure. Um, even when I do fail, I don't, I don't really consider it a failure. It's all, it's all a learning process. Um, so, it, that's a great mindset. That. Yeah, like I said, I don't I don't really think of anything as a failure. Um it's all just an opportunity to learn and better yourself. Like yes, you do, you know, you learn more from failure than you do from success. Um so it's all just a chance to get better in in anything in as far as, you know, training, as far as football, as far as, you know, life, academics. Um it's just all a learning process and it all just makes you better in the end. So I don't really I, I don't look back and say you know, this was a failure. I failed at this part of life. Um, I just don't think like that. I know you're super loyal to Tottenville, but that's a that's something that whole thing you're talking about. You can probably paraphrase that, put that on a billboard on the Staten Island Expressway too. Maybe Tottenville on one side and that on the other side. Maybe, maybe. What advice do you think your sixty year old self is gonna give to you? Sixty year old self. Um I need to just put a hundred percent into into what I do, into everything you do. Um, just anything you go at half fast, you're probably not going to be successful, and you're not probably going to get the result that you want. So, just always put a hundred percent into everything you do. Um, and then, even if you don't, you know, you don't meet your goal, you don't have any regrets. At least, as far as you know, what happened, what the outcome was. Now, this one might tie into that. What is your number one pet peeve on a football field? Number one pet peeve on a football field. I don't know. A lot of times in high school, it's my father himself. <laughs> um, but uh, number one, number one pet peeve on a football field. I'd say probably just people, people just not like I said, just not giving, like just not being there. You know, just like not giving it their all. Like you would have people, you know. Er- there's practices that suck, no matter how motivated you are, no matter how much you love football. There's, there is times where, you know, it's tough and it sucks. Um, but I'd say just people, people just not, like not wanting to be there, not caring. Like, if you don't care, then we don't want you here. Get out. I'd rather have, maybe you're a better football player, but I'd rather have the next guy that actually cares about what he's doing. If there's somewhere else you'd rather be, go there. Exactly. Exactly. Get out there and we don't want you. What is one life lesson you learned from high school football that's carried over with you to this day? One life lesson. Mm. There was there was a there was a lot of them. Um, there was a lot of them. But I would say just just putting a hundred percent in. Um, 
and just like I said, always just going at things a hundred percent, um, and just giving it, giving it everything that you have, um, because there were a lot of times where, you know, in high school, being undersized or or you know being smaller than than other people, um, you know, I had to give everything that I had in order to get um, results. Maybe whereas a more talented person could have, you know, taken it half speed or half ass and still get the same results. So I'd say that's something that's carried over me that that definitely carried over me into the academy um, a lot with like grades because um, the academy was real, real tough with grades, just putting everything I have into it. You know, what I love about you, man, is that if I'm just thinking about you, you are a football player. You know, the, the first thing you said was, I love football. I wanted to be a football player. You didn't say I wanted to be the star quarterback. I just want to be a football player. Just wanted like to every, be a ball player. Every yeah. answer you've given to me has just been like oozing that you're a football player. And I'm sure being a football player makes you a better uh, person in the Navy. It makes you a better Marine. It makes you a better dad. It makes you better everything in this world. So uh, stick to it, man. I'm, I'm glad that stuff is in your blood. All right, la- last Last question for you, my selfish question to make my life better. What is one life lesson you can give me on how to simplify or remove clutter? Remove clutter. Um, I say just narrow your focus. Just narrowing your focus down. There's, you know, a lot of times people they get into, you know, too many things at once and they're trying to do too much and they're, you know, half your focus is here, you know, another quarter is over here. Maybe you're giving a little attention to this. Um but just narrow your focus down. I said something I learned at the academy where, you know, homework, taking 20 credits and homework all the time, having to just narrow my focus and just saying like, okay, you know, today, this is what we're going to get done. Like we're going to get this, this paper done, this assignment, or, you know, today I'm going to get this done. Just narrowing your focus down, just setting your, setting a goal to get one thing done and do it well. And then moving on to the next thing and saying, okay, now we're going to knock this out. Okay, now we're not going to knock this out. Instead of just doing a ton all at one time. And that's when I feel like people get overwhelmed with clutter, as you put it. You know, just they got things coming from everywhere. If you just narrow your focus and just focus on one thing, accomplish that task and just set the goals and then just bang, knock them out. It'd just be a lot easier. Hallelujah, man. If it wasn't COVID and if you weren't a, Halfway across the country, I'd give you a sick hug right now because that is beautiful, beautiful stuff. James, this has been awesome. A, a quick shout out to Coach Manos who had told me I have to interview you. I am so glad we did. I know you since you're a little kid, but we never really spoke this deeply at this level. We have way more in common than I could have ever imagined. So I hope we can keep up this connection even after this uh, this podcast interview. Yeah, no, for sure. I appreciate you having me on. Um, let me talk. Uh, it was great. I enjoyed it. I hope I hope people get something out of it. Um, you know that listen. So and I need a guarantee, two guarantees from you. One, if you uh, are allowed to from the military, you're coming back to this tough man. And number two, if uh, if and when we are coaching football again, I would love for you to come and talk to guys on the team because I think people need to hear your story. Uh, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a a, a yes on both. I'll give you awesome. I'll give you a guarantee on both. Love it. Love you, man. Great, great podcast. Great interview. Uh, You are the man. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon, James. Yep. Appreciate it. All right. Bye.